Thank you for joining us for the All Access Coaches Corner podcast. We are so excited to continue serving coaches, sharing their stories, and spotlighting their programs. Stay connected as we bring you more special guests and more real conversations covering all aspects of the game. You can find our show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at allaccess underscore cc. Subscribe to the All Access Network YouTube channel and join us in the All Access Coaches Corner. Today we sit down with EJ Kushner, originally from Pennsylvania, goes to prep school, then goes to Division One, then goes to junior college, then lands back at Division One at Mercer University. At Mercer, he went on to star as a two-year starter and was second in the NCAA in three-pointers made as a senior. He then became a self-made pro, where he actually represented himself as his own agent. Now he represents some of the best players in the world as an NBA agent. EJ is a rising star as an NBA agent, and we sit down to learn more about his story. I want to take time to acknowledge one of our partners, Rising Coaches. Every coach wants to rise in their career in one way or another. We're all looking for professional development, access to tools, and relationships that can help us grow and help us advance in our career. Rising Coaches provides just that. You can visit Rising Coaches at www.risingcoaches.com. Their memberships are just $10 a month and provides a genuine community to help you grow and advance in your career. Welcome, 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 everybody. All Access Coaches Corner. We have a super special edition. Anytime you have a former player on that's doing big things, uh, yeah, it's like Christmas. So it's Christmas Day. Uh, today we have former player, three-point specialist, um, hair stylist, guru, uh, swag extraordinaire, uh, my main man, uh, EJ Kushner, uh, who is now uh, one of the uh, rising stars in the agent game. Uh, I'll let him tell all about that part of the story. I was blessed to coach him in junior college. Uh, he went on to play for, excuse me, junior college at Collin County Community College for the legend, the godfather, Jim Sagona. Okay. Got to give him his props. And uh, Coach will probably have some good stories for us. We'll let him open if he wants to share something. But uh, he was a, he was our tied leading scorer on that team. We had a good team. Uh, he went on to play at Mercer and had a great career there where he was second in the country in three-point field goals made. Uh, he missed it by one. He'll tell us about that, too. And uh, then he went on to be a pro player as well, and now he's doing great things in the Asian game. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, EJ Kushner. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, I, I always saw myself as more of a defensive specialist, <laughs> athlete, slash athlete um, but, I, but I'll take three-point specialist. Yeah, I think I think the uh, defensive specialist was definitely how you saw it. I don't know if anybody else saw it that way. <laughs> uh, and the athlete part, if they knew about your workouts in the field uh, at Collin County, in the grass uh, that you did at 5 a.m., then they probably would maybe consider you to be an athlete. No, absolutely. I mean, look, I tried, right? I tried to figure it out. <laughs> Uh, he definitely figured it out, man. Got everything. One of those guys that got everything out of his ability and then some. I don't think anyone projected him 
to be a pro. I think we actually found out about EJ via email, which we all get those emails as college coaches. And most of the time it's like, <laughs> nah, I can't play. But EJ was a division one transfer from Centenary College, uh, actually where my older brother went to school and played for Billy Kennedy. Uh, so I was familiar. So when I saw that email, it actually stuck out to me. And then we started having a conversation. EJ came up and he was actually like a real player. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a setup. So, yeah. So anyway, let's tell the people who is EJ Kushner. I was born and raised in uh, outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, did a year of year of prep school in New Jersey at the Petty School um, before signing at, uh, like you said, Centenary College in Louisiana. Spent two years there. Uh, one year as a Coug at Collin County, uh, two years at Mercer, uh, and then embarked on a five-year professional uh, career. Uh, I'm now a NBA agent. Uh, we also have an NFL side of our company as well, uh, four children. Um, and so a father, husband, and yeah, just looking to basically take my experiences and apply it to you know, give back to guys that are they're coming behind me. Yeah, such a such a uh, such an amazing thing how life works. Uh, you've grown up in the in the basketball industry since you were a kid, so you've been exposed to understand the value of relationships. I don't know if there's anybody better that I know um, to be an agent because of uh, understanding the value of genuine and real relationships, and then follow through and doing real work. So. I think you you model that, and that's why you've been able to climb the way you have. Uh, talk about a little bit of just whatever you want to touch on. Give some props to your dad, of course, your brother, who's a yeah. player as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think I start with my parents. I mean, my dad was in the shoe industry for um, close to 30 years with Converse and Adidas. So I think from an early age, like, people always joke with me that, you know, I had my, my uh, master's in sports management by the time I was 12. Uh, just because I was going everywhere with my dad, McDonald's All-American Games, you know, uh, Kentucky, Indiana All-Star Game, um, NBA All-Star Games, uh, Major League Baseball, World Series, just around athletes. Uh, my uncle was in Major League Baseball for almost 50 years, too, as a coach and player. Um, so I was just exposed to to that side of the world um, basically my entire life. You know, that's what I got to see my dad do on a daily basis. Um, you know, my uncle and and uh, was able to pick up things that that, you know, I thought was normal at the time. Uh, but looking back on it, it was like uh, I was I was really getting a, a crash course uh, in sports management, sports marketing. I never imagined that I would be an agent um, just because uh, even when I was a player, I didn't necessarily like agents. Uh, but once I kind of came to the realization that all the reasons I didn't like agents was a reason why I could be somebody that helped guys uh, and be able to do, you know, kind of what I saw my dad do. And, and I think I look at my parents as my parents were, uh, you know, kind of my original agents because my path to getting to where I wanted to go was different and their guidance and encouragement, the two things, those two things combined, you know, helped me realize my dream of being a division one basketball player. And there were plenty of times during that path when other people didn't think that was possible. It's like, hey, man, give it up. Right. So when you're in high school, I had best offers I had was Division three. I said, I'm going to prep school. Everybody's like, just go D3. With the prep school, best offer you have is D2. 
just take the D2 offer. I'm out playing the summer circuit as a 19 year old. <laughs> you know, everybody's like, what are you doing? I got my division right. one offer. And then I get to the, I get to the, you know, I get to division one and, uh, um, you know, it wasn't the best situation or the best fit. So I had to red shirt and figure out another path. It was either transfer to a division two or go junior college. And that's how, you know, I'm sending out emails. So it's probably the beginning of my agent career right there was, 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 was my move uh, from centenary. Uh, and, you know, what I learned through that process is that, you know, you got to put in the work and reach out and, and, and be proactive, but then you also got to follow it up. You got to show up at the gym and hoop, you know, and I think that's the same thing that, you know, if we're, we're comparing it to the industry that I'm in now, it's like, you know, there's a lot of work to be done, but a lot of this comes down to the player as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You touched on a, a little bit of it, but, uh, I didn't know. Of course, EJ, when he graduated high school, only having a Division three offer. But I'm not all the way surprised. Uh, I would say uh, self-made is one of the best compliments I think sometimes you can get. And you were a self-made player uh, who made yourself into what you were. And even when you first got to us, and I know there's always that nervousness of he was Division One, we got to get him back to Division One. Yeah. But uh, it just ne- you never stopped working at what you did. And even when you got to Mercer, same thing. It's like okay, he's Division One. But is he going to go – is he going to play? Is he going to play a lot? Is he going to play a big role? And to be a starter and have the kind of success that you had, and then it's like nobody was thinking probably – and I don't mean myself, of course, because obviously we're biased when you coach somebody, but you don't always know where somebody's going to go unless you kind of just tap into what's in them or pay attention to what's in them. Yeah. And those people from my experience that have that in them that will work at it and put in the time and figure out whatever – because I think part of how you became a pro was because of your connectability to people, right? Your relationship. And what people don't understand, and you can kind of touch a little bit on this, to become a pro, it's not just because you're – it's not like in high school where you get recruited and then you just go become a pro. Like, you have to have an ability to network and market yourself because now you are your own agent until you get an agent. You know, you are your own business. You are your own brand. So uh, I, I had a feeling that once you finish playing – EJ is going to end up doing some things professionally and um, even how you figured out a niche to get professional and have a, have a career. Most people may do it that do are blessed to do it. They do it for a year, maybe two, but to have a five-year career says a lot about, um, you know, your ability to kind of uh, navigate that space. So as a self-made guy, as a worker, as a guy who follows through, as a guy who cares about relationships, how did you become a professional basketball player from, a guy who coming out of high school only had a D3 offer. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's cliche, but it's just consistency, right? So you have to set your, your, your kind of like your eyes and your work on a target and you've got to be willing to, I think the greatest thing that like I, I tell people is that I got, I had so much experience going with adversity and overcoming um, outside voices. So when so many people saying you, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Sometimes it can be overwhelming and sometimes you give into that. Um, you know, for me, it was like, well, listen, I'm just going to put in, I'm going to put in the work and I'm going to give myself every single opportunity I can. And ultimately, if, if it, it doesn't work out, at least I know that I did everything that I possibly could to control this situation and it didn't work out, right? If no division one team wants to give me a scholarship offer, didn't mean that I didn't get in front of enough people, didn't mean that I didn't put in the work. It just meant that I wasn't good enough or it wasn't meant to be, you know, that this was not going to be my path. But I didn't want to have any regrets. I think, you know, in life, regret is like poison. 
And, you know, for me, it's like if, if I knew that I had done everything that I could and like you say, kind of squeezed everything out of it, um, then then I would be OK. I'd be able to go to bed at night and I wouldn't be, you know, 50, 60 years old down the line being one of those guys that said, you know, I could have or I should have. You know, it's like, no, I would be I would be comfortable saying that, yeah, hey, I, I did everything uh, in my power and did everything that I could to reach, you know, the goals and aspirations that that I you know, that I had from, from a young age. Um, yeah, for sure. So, and, and, and I'll say this too, like going back to like my, you know, my dad, it was like, he played professional basketball. He was in the sports industry. I was around so much of this stuff. So I did have an advantage where you know, as a kid, like, you know, I'm doing drills and I'm, I'm like locked in from a young age because that was something he instilled in me is like, Hey, if you want to get to this level, right. Then, you know, you better like, you better be working because what you're surrounded by, you know, and, my suburban neighborhood. He's like, these people aren't trying to go the same place as you are. So you, you have to be different. You have to work at a different level. And, you know, the one story I'll share that I think propelled me in that direction, I was 12 years old, thought I was nice. You know, I had like 26, 28 in our league, you know, semifinals. We're going to the finals. Right. He made a conference at the time. We're sponsoring the New York Gauchos. He said, Hey man, we're going, we're going to New York this weekend. You know, it was, oh, yeah, we're going to New York. Cool. You know, you're going to play with the gauchos. You're going to put you in the gaucho gym and go in the, go over, you know, in the Bronx. And, and, and basically it was one of those situations where I, I walk in the gym and that was a, that was an experience because, you know, I got cooked. I mean, that was a weekend where like, I'm getting pressed dudes in me. And with the one thing I did realize was like, okay, I can shoot, right. I can't do anything. Like my level, my handles, all this other stuff is not up to par. Right. And I realized, like, OK, all these guys have the same dream and goal as me. This is who I'm competing against. These are the guys that want the Division One scholarships, want to be pro basketball players. And so that changed my whole mindset to where my dad was smart enough, where he had told me things and I wasn't listening. So it was like, all right, I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to show you. And then you're going to do with with that adversity. You're going to go one of two two ways. You're going to crumble or you're going to realize, OK, I need to be better. Yep. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I've always uh, known you to be a winner. I think that's just kind of a – it can be an overused word sometimes, but to understand as a competitive athlete um, how important overcoming adversity. I think every coach that's a winning coach and championship coach, they always talk about it and they know how important that is. But to embody that in life is a huge, huge component to success. And so, obviously, you've seen that early. Shout out to Papa Kush, great dude. Uh, love him. Um, yeah, he, he instilled that early, and I think that – if we can kind of segue into you becoming an agent, I think that is a huge resiliency factor of what makes you who you are is that resilience to not only just keep pushing when adversity comes, but just have a spirit of like, I'm going to get the most out of this situation. I don't know what it looks like. I know I'm going to have to go through some stuff. I don't care. You've kind of always been a guy who's kept your eye on a prize and been, been so locked in and fixated and just like, I'm going to do the work. No one's going to outwork me on that. And I'm never going to look back and say, uh, I left anything left to, to that I could have done. So tell people how hard it is to get into the agent game. Cause it sounds cool. Like, Oh, I'm an agent. And not only yeah. to get in, but then to be able to make a name and find yourself, uh, because there's a lot of different reputations with agents too. And connotations, right? Yeah, sure. Um, you have to find your lane within that. So tell a little bit about the journey to becoming an agent and how you found your, your lane. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it is, it's great. I love my job just because like, again, like uh, I'm able to, I'm able to empower players, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing is this industry 
for decades has been a situation where agents walk in the door and say, you need me. But the reality of it is we know this, whether you be a coach or whether you be an agent, whatever you're in, like the player is the most important piece to this, right? You're yeah. a better coach when you have better players. You're a better agent when you have, when you have better players. It's just, a, yep. um, you know, so for me, it was, okay, I want to get into this, but I want to be able to do it my way. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to attach myself to the machine, so to speak. Right. I, I want to be able to, to help guys. And I want to align myself with people that, that have the same vision, right. To, to change the game. Right. And, and that's a big ask because you're going against companies that have a lot of resources. They have a lot of history. They have long client lists. Um, and when you're dealing with young athletes, especially it's like you're coming in the door and there is, there is still that fear factor. They don't know that they're the ones. I mean, now in 2020, like we're starting to have this, you know, where players are more empowered, right. They're realizing their power. Yep. Um, and that's something that we, you know, I set out from the, from the jump is like, Hey, you're, you know, people talk about power agents, like a power agent, where does the power, where does the power come from? Right. It comes from the players that they represent, you know? So, you know, early on, instead of attaching myself to kind of the status quo, um, you know, I worked for a smaller agency starting off, but I was, I was not getting paid any money, straight commission, but I was teaching and I was waiting tables. So, you know, I'm taking phone calls in the back of, you know, you know, BJ's brew house, you know, in between, <laughs> in between, you know, serving pizzas and, and, uh, and drinks and food, you know, and, um, but that was all part of it too. You know, going back to like my playing career is like being able to know, Hey, I'm doing everything that I need to do to keep this thing going. Right. And it's, it's gotta be consistent, consistent, consistent. Um, you know, and then had another company that, you know, honestly was the wrong, the wrong fit working for the wrong, wrong guy. And it, the bottom fell out. Right. And then, you know, now you're back, Again, I'm driving Uber and Lyft because I got to put food on the table and I got to pay my mortgage and um, yeah, I got to look after my family. And, you know, I'm taking calls from GMs in the middle, of, you know, right before I'm picking somebody up in an Uber. Um, and, you know, to now to where we have Beyond Athletes Management, which is now, you know, we've had it for over two years and, you know, just extremely blessed to be in the situation, working with some great partners and, and ultimately great athletes. I think that's that's the that's the thing that people need to understand is that, you know, you, to do this, you've got to build a brand, know who you are as an agent and as a person. And then you need to find those athletes that fit that brand. Cause it's, it's not, every, not every player is meant for every agent. Not every agent is meant for every player. Yep. Very good. Very well said. Tell us a little bit about beyond athlete management for those that don't know. Tell us a little bit about what makes it, what it is. Yeah. I mean, founded in 2000, you know, like I said, 2018 and, you know, our our goal has been to disrupt the sports industry, to disrupt the status quo. Um, you know, our tagline is kind of like own your talent. Um, and, you know, our, our, our thing is, is going and saying to these players, being like, OK, um, you have you have power. Right. And we're here to be come alongside of you, be your team, um, to be your board, so to speak. You're the LLC. You're the business. Um, but like, what are we doing? What are you doing for your community? Right. What are you doing for your brand? Do you have a logo? What is what is uh, when people see that logo? What what feeling do they get? What so how do we develop that? Um, um, how are you, you know, uh, how are you dealing with everything that's going on? Like, how's your how's your mental health? How how are you processing things like just little things, little details? Um, and a lot of that comes from the things that I wish I had when I was a player playing professionally. Uh, is just someone coming alongside and 
being able to help you through every step. Um, and it changes with guys, right? So as guys become, you know, go further along in their career, then you have different needs than maybe the guy that is just starting off. So if you're a rookie, you know, there's a, there's a great deal of, um, you know, a, a process that goes into that, right. And education and, and helping them learn. Because my thing is, is like, I want, the, I want these guys to, to know everything, right. Understand contracts, understand the business, um, you know, break it down for them. So that when we're having discussions and we're talking through things that it's more a partnership than it is, you know, me telling them what to do. Um, it, it's, you know, it's a collaborative collective uh, deal. What's the uh, great stuff, uh, Kush? Thanks so much, man. What Where does serving leadership play a role in this whole thing? Where does your faith personally as a, as a person, as a man, as a leader, as a big part of um, this company, where, where does that all play into your approach with uh, how you go about it? You've kind of touched on it with making mm -hmm. it a player, which I think is different than even the old model. The old model of coaching and of probably aging is like, look, you need me. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. And you can't do this stuff almost without me versus now a little bit of what you're touching on is, hey, you're the talent, you know, let's figure out how to maximize and get you to a place that maybe you can't get otherwise because we're helping you because we're serving you. So talk about that serving leadership and even your personal faith. Yeah, no, I mean, I think for me, like I was telling one of our guys the other day is just that, um, you know, part of like my morning routine is praying just general, you know, my family, players, um, just general list of things. Right. And what I was saying to him is, is that like, especially during this uncertain time, right. So we're, he, he's an NBA free agent. So, you know, you can imagine that there's a lot of like unknowns, fear, anxiety, all these things that are kind of creeping in. And, and it's, for, you know, for me, you know, I feel those things, too. And is being able to say and lead in a way and say that there are certain things that we cannot control. Right. There's certain things that just we've got to we've got to go to God and, and, and look for guidance and and be able to figure out, um, you know, and understand that that we've got to be able to to pivot. And 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 not can not feel like we can control everything, because I think when you start to feel like you control everything, you know, that's when things can ultimately spin out of control. And I honestly believe that some of the greatest mistakes that agents make is they're constantly trying to justify their existence. So sometimes they overdo it and sometimes it they let that idea of like I'm in control of everything uh, affect the client um, detrimentally. It's, it becomes a it becomes a bad thing, whereas whereas you know if if you are approaching it with a peace and you are approaching it with a you know an understanding of like control what you can control that you're you're more likely to get better results. Yeah, absolutely. Talk, talk about momentum. So momentum and you, you guys are two years mm -hmm. in. Obviously, you have built momentum in your career. I believe that was at one point in time. Correct me if I'm wrong. A USA Today article about your kind of climb through the agent ranks is that correct? yeah so let's see new york times article there it is on the wall yeah there we go, um, there we go. yeah no it was yeah it was done uh yeah basically it just talked about the process of becoming uh an nba agent and i want to say that the article basically depicts that year like i think 164 people were trying to become agents or took the exam um and out of those like 164 you know 10 of them actually ended up representing NBA players. Wow. Um, so wow. I think it's a business that a lot of people want to get into, but it is highly competitive. 
And, you know, you do have certain companies that have, um, you know, a majority of, of the players. So you're trying to break in and, um, you know, really establish yourself. And, you know, to me, again, it, it just comes back to that consistency, right? Is that, you know, um, you know, to the point where, you know, the first player that I signed, I did a deal overseas was for $27,000. Okay. And now, you know, we're, we're about to have five, six NBA players this year, uh, four NFL guys. Um, but that was a process, but it was also, it was a process of, of being diligent and, and, and being consistent, right? So it's treating those guys uh, the same way that you would treat an NBA player, right? Because the greatest, the greatest thing you can have in any business is word of mouth, right? It's like, if, if I'm going to be this agent for this NBA player, I should still be the same, this agent for this guy that's, you know, making $27,000 a year as a rookie overseas. And the reality of it is, is sometimes you have guys that start off as $27,000 guys and they end up, you know, moving, moving up and being Euro league players or, or even NBA players. It, you know, we've had guys that have come from, uh, from Europe or, or, you know, come internationally and, and make the NBA. So I think it's, again, it boils down to that consistency. And at the end of the day, guys just want to know you care. They want to know you care. And that's what I, I wanted. I just wanted to know that, you know, if you're representing me, that, that you care, that you know all the work and all the time and all the energy that's been put into this and that this has been a, you know, a lifelong dream to be a professional. So just, I understand that, you know, no one's going to care about us more than our, us ourselves, but I, you know, I wanted it to be close and I want these guys to feel that too. Like I want them to be able to feel like, Hey, you got somebody that's in your corner. Um, it's going to be there for the, for the highs and for the lows, you know, my college coach, shout out coach Hoffman. It's one thing he used to always say too, is just like, we don't need to get too high. We don't need to get too low. We need to be like right here, you know, yep. be consistent. And, um, you know, that's where I come into play with guys is like trying to balance that the highs and lows, you know, as I'm going through it too, cause I'm riding that wave with them because right. of all the investment and the time and the energy um, that I'm putting into it. And, you know, I'm now done being a professional player. So I know what it's like to be on the other side yep. and it, it sucks. It's tough, right? You get one sweet window to do this. So I take that into account and I'm saying, okay, how can I make this career extend as long as possible? And then, you know, what are we going to do beyond your career? You know, hence how we came up with the name beyond athlete management is, you know, we want this, want you to play as long as you can make as much money, have as many ex experiences as success as you can and use those to, you know, kind of uh, catapult you to your next, to your next endeavor. Right. And it, I think the beyond also kind of speaks to uh, this is bigger than just being your agent. This is beyond that. Right. We go be above yeah. and beyond. And this goes beyond just you inside the line. This goes beyond just your career while you're playing. So I think there's a lot of different things that go kind of within that beyond. What would you say in your words or you guys words? What is the differentiator when you're sitting down with um a big time you're having your home visit or your zoom visit or whatever it is now with a potential person that may find um, with you or someone else. And then maybe it's a competitive battle. Mm -hmm. Obviously as a former college coach, we've done the recruiting battles. You as a former uh, pro and, and, and college player have done the competitive battles in the lines. What does that competitive agent battle look like? And how do you guys differentiate yourselves from others? And I know there's a part of it you touched on already, about the fit, right? You have to make sure you have the right fit. So sometimes you may decide, like in college recruiting, like, hey, this this guy doesn't fit our program. That's okay. 
he's a really good player. We wish him well. But how do you how do you guys separate and have differentiators within kind of that competitive field? Yeah, well, touching on that, like that's the first thing, right, is identifying the right guys to recruit. Is this a fit, right? And sometimes like you talk about the competitiveness is sometimes you get so caught up in the recruiting battle that you want to win that you actually end up losing because maybe it's, maybe it's you spend too much money on the recruiting process. Um, maybe it's you spend too much time on the recruiting process. And then maybe you win the recruiting process and it's not the right guy. He's not a fit. He's not a beyond guy. Right. And so now you're having to deal with, again, all these things that, um, you know, you didn't anticipate. And I learned that thankfully my first year, you know, I had two guys that just, it was no matter what I did, no matter how hard I worked, it wasn't good enough. And it was like, I don't want to do this. I'm getting calls at two, three in the morning, you know, guys getting arrested overseas, stuff like that, where it's like, okay, this, I don't want this to be my life. And I I'm in control of, of, of who I choose to work with. Um, so that's the first thing is being able to identify, is this a, is this somebody that, that would fit with beyond and fit with the, with the, with the culture. Um, and then the, yeah, the, the second thing is, is asking questions, right. Identifying like, okay, what is the need of this player? Cause I think a lot of times people step in the room and want to tell, talk about themselves or say all the things that they think that the player needs, but what do you, what do you need? Where do you see yourself? Um, you know, where do you see yourself in, in one year, two years, five years, 10 years, uh, and, and understanding their expectations and then, you know, customizing, uh, the the pitch or the recruitment to that and and helping these guys understand too that the agent game is changing and that it used to be where you know the nba the max you can charge is four percent what's like accountability like where is that four percent going so if you're paying four percent on your nba contract which now these contracts used to be back in the day you know you may have needed to charge four percent to keep your business running but now it's like these contracts average nba contracts over nine million dollars a year so where, if you're charging 4%, like, where is that 4% going? How's that broken down? What are you doing for me? I mean, yes, you're representing me. You're doing a contract. That's important. But what are the other things you're doing? How are you investing in me? You know, what's the plan? What, you know, and that comes down to getting with the player and saying, what are you passionate about? What do you want to do? Um, you know, building content, brand building, um, connecting in the community. Um, you know, those are, you know, now we have all these tools, social media, where, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be uh, on a commercial and commercials still exist. The commercials, that kind of stuff is usually limited to, you know, top 10, 15 guys in a sport. Um, but now it's like, if you have the right strategy and the right content and you have a built-in platform where the people that are following you, you know, are some level, right? I mean, they, they followed you for a reason. Um, so that may be, that may be, uh, you know, Again, like depending on the athlete, how are you how are you tapping into that? But also like how are you giving to those people as well? How are you attaching yourself? How are you making yourself um, you know, more real to them? How are you reaching them? Right. And how you how are you providing them value, right? Which in turn it's you know, it's the whole give, give and then ask. Um, you know, from a business perspective. So just helping guys like think about those things, understand those things. And you know, some guys just some guys don't want stuff too. Some say, Hey man, just once you represent me, do my contract. I don't want to do all that stuff. Right. Other guys want to do everything where you got to be like, okay, listen, there's going to be layers to this. Right. Cause like the first thing is, is like, you need to be in the NBA or the NFL and established before we do some of this stuff. Because if you're so caught up in doing all this other stuff, 
and then you're not in the NBA or the NFL. And right. Right. Then it, it then doesn't matter because at the end of the day, that is that is the most important thing. And for majority of guys, like that's gonna be the that's gonna be the thing that brings in you know, the most money. And that's the thing that's going to be able to bring generational wealth is the playing part of it. Um, you know, now there's some guys obviously that uh, are making more money uh, maybe off the court than they are on, but you know, those are your mega superstars. Right. 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 Let's touch on this uh, kind of a lightning round. Just if you had to say 30 seconds to a minute, I'll, I'll kind of give you a topic, just kind of share some stuff on it. What's a misconception about agents 30 seconds to a minute well I, I, don't, I don't think there's a misconception i think it's it's true a lot of these guys are, are trying to to take 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 from these players um and they have so many guys that you know, they're, they're running through it they're playing a numbers game so if a certain guy, amount of guys hit then we as an agency we win and we can keep we can sell the guys that made it and the guys that didn't make it like oh well and so that's where we're stepping in and saying like okay no we want to we can't represent every single player, but we believe that if we represent the players, we believe in the way that we believe they should be represented, then it makes everybody around us have to raise the bar. So that, that scene from Jerry Maguire where, you know, uh, he's hugging Jerry and the whatever quarterback's like, how come we don't have that kind of relationship? And he like fake hugs him. Right. That is the business. It's not, it's, it's, it's not a misconception. Like agents, the name agent has a, has a negative connotation for a reason. And I think that's why we set out to do our own thing. Right. Very well said. Very well said. What's the uh, misconception or uh, what would you say about how young players are tabbed as pros early and why some guys make it, why some guys don't that may have been tabbed or not tabbed as pros? Yeah, I mean, similar to my story, I think you need to have the right encouragement. A lot of guys have fake finish lines, so like they feel like they've already made it. And the reality of it is, is like once this becomes a business, they don't care where you were ranked. They don't care who AAU team you played for. They don't care what college you went to. You know, the guy that's leading EuroLeague in scoring right now, which is the top league in Europe, is a Division II player. You know, we're seeing it with Dame Lillard, and we're seeing it with CJ McCollum. We're seeing it with these guys that played at, you know, low major schools that are now, you know, NBA uh, all-star level guys. It's like th at some point in time, it's like if you're not consistent and you're not putting in the work and you're not constantly challenging yourself, uh, you're not going to make it as a pro. I mean, if, if you go back and look, you know, here's something that viewers should do is, um, and I can maybe even share it with you and you can share it with them, is I put together a spreadsheet from 2005 to current day. I wanted to know what McDonald's All-Americans made it to their second contract, what Amer McDonald's All-Americans got drafted, where they got drafted, how much money they made. And it's staggering to see that the guys that didn't make it. And a lot of that, I believe, is because they were fed something or they were giving something that they didn't earn. Uh, or, you know, you, you're, you're a pro when you're a pro. Not before that. And I think that's something that gets lost. And you have a lot of people that are experts that just happen to be close to a good player. They're not actually experts. They actually don't know what they're talking about. And the misinformation uh, is what misguides these kids and ultimately probably leads them down a path where they do face adversity. They've never had experience with it before, so they don't know what it is and they don't know how to handle it. And then it can't be their fault. And then ultimately, you know, they're the guy that said, I should have been, I could have been. Yep. Um, and they're in Europe or, you know, slowly just kind of fading out. 
Yeah, I think the fake finish line, I love that concept, uh, even though it's not necessarily a positive one, but it's a real one, right? Like, becoming a McDonald's All-American, you think like, oh, I'm McDonald's All-American, I'm going to be pro now. And that may be a fake finish line for somebody. Maybe it's something else. And I think the other part you touched on, the accountability, uh, sometimes it's hard for guys that are uh, really highly talented, whether it's out of college, whether it's out of high school, whatever it may be. And if there's not accountability within their circle, really hard for them to hear truth really hard for them to know where they really are, right? Uh, so talk about that truth. Talk about uh, 30 seconds to a minute again, just kind of like being able to tell players the truth. Like where does that really fit into the agent game and into the pro life? Yeah, so like I'd say my job as an agent is to, you know, obviously there's the negotiating part, but it's to deliver good information. And I tell people all the time, like if the player, the agent and reality aren't in alignment, it's not going to work. It's a, it's a relationship that will not work. So I think you have to start that relationship, start from the recruiting uh, point of saying, I'm going to give you truth. I'm going to hold you accountable and I'm going to give you good information. And we should be basing everything off of good information. And if you're going to sign with another agent because he's giving you bad information, well, you're going to remember that. I gave you good information because at some point in time, you're going to figure it out. Um, and, you know, for me, it's like, hey, I think my son is a first round pick or I think I'm a first round pick. I'm like, hey, that's great. I may think he's a first round pick, too. But if there's 30, there's only there's 30 teams that make those decisions. If one of those 30 teams doesn't think he's a first round pick, he's not a first round pick. And there's nothing we can do about it other than, hey, put a plan in to prove him wrong. NBA teams are wrong all the time. It's not something to get so hung up on, but it's like you got to understand that this is a process and you're, you're going to be doubted and you're going to have adversity. And and how are we going to get through that? You know, how are we going to put together a plan and how are we going to set benchmarks to where we say, like, hey, is the plan working or do we need to pivot? and Do we need to change course? And I think when you approach people that way, um, you have a the player and the agent. Everybody has a much greater chance of success um, because you establish those things. You establish a solid foundation from the beginning. Yeah, it's great time. I love it. What about the uh, – <clears throat> what would you say, 30 seconds to a minute, about the evaluation process? Um, not so much – the character part matters, so I don't want to leave that part out. But the basketball evaluation process, what goes into that? So similar as a college coach, we're going out to recruit. We see this guy has this ability. Is it about programs they come from? Is it about a winning background? Is it about a work ethic? Usually success – uh, leaves clues, right? And usually yes. there's a track record that says this guy is, has this has in these this guy has indicators for success. What are those like on the pro level? Um, because obviously you're getting guys from other pro leagues. There's guys that have stories that have played overseas and then they come over. They got guys out of high school. You have guys coming from college that are one year. Um, guys that maybe played in the G League. There's so many different pools to pull from what's the evaluation process. And if you have to go along with it, man, that's okay. But yeah, no, I mean, I think, I mean, number one is the talent, right. Is watching a guy and saying like, is he, is he good enough? Um, and does he have, does he have an NBA skill? Like, is he elite at one thing? Cause at the end of the day, you know, you got your superstars and then, you know, after you get past three or four guys on a roster, you start, it starts being a bunch of guys that are really good at one or two things. And so are they, do they have an NBA skill? What is that NBA skill? Um, and then, yeah, then you start doing the deep dive and understanding like, what are their habits? Like, are they a hard worker? Do they, um, do they have a good attitude? Are they coachable? Um, you know, 
all those little things that are going to be the deciding factor on a guy making the NBA, not making the NBA, getting cut in Europe, having a 10, 12, 13, 14 year career uh, in Europe. And yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I gravitate guys like myself that have been like probably doubted or hated on a little bit and, you know, have a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, if you look across the board, like that's, that's kind of the guys that that's, that's like, that's who we have, you know, we have, you know, Cortland Sutton's a pro bowl receiver, but it's like, he had one offer out of, out of high school to be a safety and I was a pro bowl receiver. Um, right. You no, know, Miles Sanders, everybody talked about, Oh, he's behind Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, Jay Sean Tate, who's a name that people are going to be very familiar with this year, but he's a four year starter at Ohio state. One, you know, was it one of the winningest pro- players in program history, but it was like, he quote unquote was a football player and couldn't shoot. And he's going to be an NBA player for a long time, but he had to go and prove that. And that's a perfect example of a guy where you say, Hey, they say you're not an NBA player because you don't shoot it well enough. Right. And you're only six, four, where I'm like, man, I'm taking this guy. I'm watching him play. I'm thinking, I want this guy on my team. This guy's right. a winner. I don't care how big he is. Like, I don't know. He just does everything. What position is he? I don't know. He's a winner. I put him on the floor. He can play the five. I put him at the one, wherever. But the one thing people couldn't get past was he can't shoot. Right. So he can't shoot. He can't make it. So it's like you can, a guy like him could say, like, well, screw them. I'm good enough. He was like, okay, I can't shoot. I'm going to be, I'm going to be relentless work on that shot. You know, guy shoots now his last two seasons over 40%. And now he's going to be in the NBA. Yep. It's again, he took that good information. Now the same people that said he was, he should play football forgot that they said it. It's such a fickle crowd. Now they want to sign him to their team. And I'm like, I thought he was a football player. They're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. What? You know, they don't even remember that they said it. Right. It's like, so you can't even like get caught up on that. And you have to, you have to instinctually also trust yourself, you know, where you can't look at sometimes the mock drafts or look at the rankings. You gotta, you gotta trust your gut and trust your eye. And it's not always, uh, it's not always right on, but, 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 you know, most of the time, I think me being around enough guys and being in locker rooms and watching basketball, you kind of, you kind of get that instinct um, for, you know, who you want to like, who you want to work with, who you want to attach yourself to. Um, and then, you know, figure out like how you maximize that. And, and it's almost like that coaching philosophy of, we talk about as coaches, the, who do you want to be in an alley with? You know, who do you want to, who do you not want to play against? Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Into that. So I'm curious, two questions before we kind of wrap up uh, today. And uh, one is, how how much does being a former player and being in the trenches help you relate to players? Because I'm imagining there's not a lot of former players that are agents, right? So you're probably in a small percentage. So how much does that give you an advantage relatability-wise? And then also um, in evaluating, you know, head coaches like to get guys that, you know, are going to represent their philosophy. They're going to rep- – they're going to – Bobby Huggins is going to have guys that represent how he – um, his mentality, right? <clears throat> same as uh, Frank Martin, same as anybody else, insert any coach name here, Kelvin Sampson, right? So it sounds like you're kind of doing that with your agency as well. So how much does your eye and your experience to evaluate talent or guys you would want to have played with, how does that play into? And then 
second question is how do you separate from the hype? Because you're in a you're in a world of hype. I mean, agency, pro life, it's all about the hype. So the two part question is, you know, how does your playing experience play in, and then how do you separate from the hype when you're doing what you do every day? Yeah, I think from the playing experiences, I'm able to have empathy, right? I'm able to I'm able to compare situations. And I think you have to be careful with it too, because I didn't play at the same level uh, as most of these guys. So you have to be careful to not be the guy that like, you know, when I was playing, you know, but it's like, hey, man, I went through a situation with a coach or I went through a situation where I was doubted or, you know, and just kind of keep it quick. But just being able to show them and step into their shoes and say, hey, I've been on the other side, right? I've been a professional player. Um, I've been in a certain, in a, in a situation like this before, you know, and then here's how it turned out. Here's how I got through it. Um, and, you know, and sometimes I think it helps. Sometimes, you know, maybe it doesn't. But I think at the end of the day, guys kind of respect it. Like, okay, you've been you've been through some of this stuff. And, like, you understand it. Um, you understand. Uh, and then as far as, like, the hype, I think, look, I think it's, again, you just have to be – you have to be consistent. And it's hard to not get caught up in that. Um, but, you know, we're fortunate. We're, like, we laid a foundation where, you know – Josh Bostic is, you know, a guy that's made a lot of money playing professional basketball. He's a division two guy came out of Finley, you know, but like, that's a guy where it's like also like a high character guy. Ben Moore was our first NBA player, right? Nobody thought Ben was going to be an NBA player. Ben thought it, we thought it, but he worked, but his mat, his work ethic matched that. And everybody in, in the SMU program said the same thing. But ben Moore doing Ben Moore things is like the favorite thing to be able to say. So I think it just, when you do those, when you get those kind of guys and, you know, Glenn Robinson, the third, I mean, we're talking about like high character guys, Jay Sean Tate, um, you know, that are, that are guys that, that, that really, you know, are what you say they are, you know? And I think when you start to, to, to get those types of guys and then those guys have success, now all of a sudden you're looking at people now trust your word and they identify beyond as, you know, okay, yeah, well, we don't want to be wrong again because, you know, Beyond's been right X amount of times. You know, we have guys like Josh Gray averaged five points a game as a senior in college, you know, has played two seasons in the NBA, you know, but it's like a worker, right? Like I want to play in the NBA and his work ethic matches it. So I'm like, I can get behind that. We can figure this out, you know? I mean, so, you know, I consider myself, um, you know, really fortunate, man. We have guys that, you know, uh, you know, Isaiah Hartenstein, another thing, man, guy that's been through some adversity, only 22 years old. And it's like, he's going to have an unbelievable NBA career. But again, it's because I, the thing I see in him is I'm like, okay, again, his work ethic and his actions match his goal. It's what he tells me where he's trying to go is also where like the work is there too. Um, and, and that's who I want to be as an agent is I want to represent those types of guys, man. That's where it's at. I don't want to get it caught up in the hype because when you start dealing with the hype, you know, you know, it's, it's, it, it becomes unfulfilling. And at the end of the day, you know, I always tell people the average relationship between an NBA player and an NBA agent is 1.3 years. And it's wow. because people chase the hype. Right. And players sign with agents for the wrong reasons and agents recruit players for the wrong reasons, too. So you put in all this work, put in all this effort and then it ends up not being worth it. And a lot of times those guys don't make it or you don't make it as an agent until that next day. Yep. Yeah. Well, said. I think uh, the part I, I give so much credit to you on and I think this goes especially at the pro level, college level, not as much, but really good players. They want to know, one, do you care? Like you said, yeah. do you know what you're talking about? 
like, about do you, are, are you investing your craft enough? Yeah. Can you help me? Which is usually, do you know what you're talking about? And then can I trust you? You know, if you can kind of check those four boxes, usually you can go from there. But most of the time, those aren't the boxes that people are necessarily always looking to check when it comes to the hype, because you almost feel like a sense of invincibility, like, uh, I'm going to make it, uh, I, I can sign whoever, or this guy's work with, like you said, they tell you the story of the guys that have made it, but they don't tell you the stories of how many guys mm-hmm. didn't make it uh, pushed by the wayside. So, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I love everything that, that, uh, that you shared on that, man. What, what would you say last kind of question agent and basketball wise, what would you say is some legitimate advice that you would give or perspective for whether it's a college coach listening for his good player that he would want to share, whether it's a parent listening and they would want their kid to really know some truth. Like what is a truth that you would want people to know that are aspiring to be pros and maybe they're already really successful, whether in college, high school, or even in their early pro career that's non-NBA, what would you tell them is like a truth that you need to really like wrap your mind around this? Yeah, like it's, you can, you just, you can never get comfortable is the thing that I would say is I think a lot of people, you know, I, I talk to guys all the time who are like, I'm going to play pro basketball. It's like, you don't understand like how hard it is to play professional basketball. You know, I mean, I played five years and, you know, I feel like I should have played 10, right? Everybody always feels right. Like right. They should have done more, could have done more. And, um, you know, I was my own agent for four of those five years too. So, you know, I was, trying to figure out and navigate. So if anybody understands like how difficult it is, it's me. And, you know, just understand you can never get comfortable because no matter what school you played at or what you've done, it's like you have to continue to prove yourself. It's not, it's a nonstop process. So if you have a good rookie year, great. You're going to get your second job, you know, or you're going to get more time your second year, but you have to keep proving yourself over and over and over again. And, you know, and I would say, I would say to college coaches too, was like, you know, go educate yourself. Go educate yourself on the European leagues. Go educate yourself on the NBA process and, and empower these guys. Give them good information. Empower them. Allow them to make the decisions. It's like don't try and control the process and make it about you. And I know you. there's frustration there because you have all these different people in, in their ears telling them how good they are, what they should and what they shouldn't do. But I genuinely believe that players are receptive when you give them good information and you lay it out and you empower them. And you're not trying to sway them or you're not trying to influence them uh, in a way because, again, guys are getting smarter and they're starting to understand that, okay, is this guy saying this just because, like, he wants me to come back to school or is he doing this because, you know, it's actually in my best interest? And I think it's like start from the beginning. Start from the very beginning from the recruiting process on and start giving them giving them information. Dig up as much stuff as you can. I'm happy to be a resource for anybody on that kind of thing as well where it's like, empower these guys and ultimately they're going to more times than not make the right decision uh, and you're not going to have to all of a sudden be in panic mode trying to tell them oh this 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 because then it's like they're going to put the wall up and be defensive but you know just educating empowering and um you know one thing i'd love to do in the future is have more of these guys come back to college campuses and talk about it because a lot of times players need to hear from other players Right. Right. So much truth in that when you hear from somebody who's lived it and somebody who's lived it in that uniform. Um, definitely, definitely accurate on that. And I think just and you, you touched on it 
in several different times and several different ways throughout this. But what you talked about just now with um, the empowerment, right? I think that in order to really be empowered, you have to have some truth and some education and some open-mindedness to what do I not know, right? Because there is a space that if I don't know this, if I end up knowing it and acquire this knowledge and have this reality, right? Um, there's what I think you said it earlier. There's your reality, the player's reality, and then there's reality, right? Yeah, so, and it's all gonna be if it's not if it's not if it's not the same, then it's you're doomed. Right. Really hard to be empowered. So no, we'll, we'll end, man. We, we so appreciate you sharing all that you have today, man. It's been awesome. Like I said, it's Christmas Day for me. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm getting any other presents, but this is present enough, man. But uh, yeah, so just kind of share. We like to end with legacy question. What What do you want? Uh, we're all writing our own story. You know, that's yeah. something we talk about. Yeah. Something we believe in and want to empower. We want to empower our listeners to understand. Like you would get an opportunity to write your story. Like you're not a victim. You're not subject to this or that. And no matter what happens, you're still writing it. So, what would you say you want your legacy to be as you continue to write your story? Yeah, I mean, um, you kind of touched on it earlier. It's like I want to be seen as a servant leader. Like I want people to look on me and be like, hey, he he helped and connected. And, um, you know, because of his involvement in my life, um, you know, my life was better. You know, I mean, I want to be able to impact people. And, um, you know, obviously, specifically the niche is, is athletes. But I also think now, too, um, because I have this platform as an agent and now all of a sudden, you know, here I am five years later, I'm because you have an NBA, some NBA players all of a sudden now people see you as like, oh, you know, you're an NBA agent. Um, but also being someone that remembered like where I came from and who I was and I had a conversation with a kid, a division two kid yesterday. She's like, look, man, I don't think that I can necessarily help you, but send me your stuff. I'll put it in my database and I'll be a resource for you if I can answer any questions or help you in any way. Um, so just like staying true to that and not getting caught up in the hype and not getting caught up in, in, uh, you know, in the business. That's good, man. That's good.